You're about to listen to a message by Pastor Ikena Okeke of the Father's Church. Please join Pastor Ikena Okeke and be blessed. Please come with me to Jeremiah chapter 1 and we'll read from verse 4. We'll read verse 4 to 10. Hallelujah. We'll read from verse 4 to 10. We'll read. Then the word of the Lord came to me saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. Then said I, Ah, Lord God, behold, I cannot speak, for I am a youth. But the Lord said to me, Do not say I am a youth. For you shall go to all to whom I send you, and whatever I command you, you shall speak. Do not be afraid of their faces, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth, and the Lord said to me, Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. See, I have this day set you over the nations and over the kingdoms to root out and to pull down, to destroy and to throw down, to build and to plant. May the Lord bless the reading of his word in Jesus' name. Born to be great, taken from Jeremiah 1.5. The Lord speaking here says to Jeremiah, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I sanctified you. I ordained you a prophet to the nations. It will interest us to know that at the time God was speaking to Jeremiah in this passage, he was a teenager. Jeremiah was 17 years old at this time. And the first thing that I want us to begin to see, you know, from today's um, program and um, generally as Christians and our outlook, you know, to, to spiritual things is that when you and I read the Bible, we must remind ourselves that the work of God is not done by the arm of flesh. It's not done by the strength of man. In that case, age really does not matter. Samuel was about 11 years when God started speaking to him. Um, Bible scholars say that Mary was about 13 to 14 years when the angel appeared to her. Joseph was 17 years when he was sold into slavery. David was about 16 when he killed Goliath. Daniel and his friends were about 15, 16 when they went into Babylon. In other words, many of us are too old. Praise the Lord. God can work all manner of things with anybody. We have in the Bible King Josiah. He was anointed at what age? Eight years. What am I trying to say? Because the work of God is done by the spirit of God you don't need to be too old or so old or very old 
to be used by God. In fact, even if you discount whatever I'm saying now, push it aside. Our text says something here. It says, before I formed you, I what? I knew you. Who did God know before you were formed? Was it the you of one year or the year of 15 years or the year of 50 years? Who did he know? Praise God. He knew you. So whether you're five years or you're 10 years or you're 50 years, God what? Knew you. Praise the Lord. And the purpose of God for your life does not really have to wait for a particular age. Praise the Lord. Because it says to Jeremiah, before I formed you, I knew you and I ordained you. The ordination was not fixed for a particular time. It meant that before Jeremiah came in and started his journey, God has said, this is who you will be. Praise the Lord, somebody. Our God, we must understand, is intentional. And it's easy to appreciate because if you're omniscient, then you have to be intentional. Because no information comes to you without you already knowing it. You cannot learn. God cannot learn. He knows all things already. You see, I can decide to go left, and while I'm going left, I remember I forgot something, and then I turned right. But God knows the end from the beginning. And God is also omnipresent. So he doesn't have to leave to go to come back to meet. He's everywhere at the same time. And then God is omnipotent. So whatever God does at any time with anybody, God already what has a pre-planned purpose. He has what he wants to do in mind. Now, what does that say for us and what does that say for our young people and for everyone here? We must then consciously, actively pursue the knowledge of why we were born. Praise the Lord. The things that are written in the scriptures are written in particular for persons and then also written for each and every one of us. You and I are not on earth to grope and to, you know, miss our way and miss our way. That is what we do, but that's not what God designed it for. Every one of us born into this world was born with a purpose and for a purpose. The Bible says, the psalm is speaking, it says, In your book were written the days concerning me, yet before there was none of me. God has a path written out for each and every one of us. And as we look at our children, as we look at, you know, the younger ones, as we look at the ones that are coming up, our desire and our prayer for both ourselves and everyone is that each one, the quicker, the better for everyone, though, begin to walk in proximity, in closeness, in alignment with God's intended purpose. Praise the Lord. The Bible says in Romans 8.28, we know it very well. It says, and we know that what? All things work together for good to those who love God. And we know. Now, many times this passage of scripture 
is used to encourage people that are going through difficulties and challenges in life. However, I think we have overstretched it in a sense because that scripture says all things work together for good to those who love God and to those who are what? Called according to his purpose. In simple language, it's working together if you are pursuing his purpose for your life. Praise the Lord. If you are pursuing God's purpose for your life, then all things will work. In fact, another thing there is that it's not actually that all things work. God makes all things to work. You see, King James English, New King James. Can we look at it in NLT, please? NLT translation. Okay, this helps us and breaks it down better. What does it say? It says, and we know that what? God causes everything to work together for the good of those who do what? Who love him and are what? Pursuing. Leave that call according. That will confuse. And are pursuing his purpose. So what does it mean? If I want whatever situation, whatever circumstance I'm in now to work for my good, to turn around for my good, then what should I do? I should pursue God's purpose. It's not something I can just stand up and claim. No. There are conditions. God will turn it around for my good if what? Also in that circumstance, set my eyes to pursue his purpose. The moment a man, a woman, a boy, a girl, young and old, deviates from God's purpose, God cannot help. I'll give you a very simple illustration from the scriptures. How many of us know John the Baptist? John the Baptist is one of the persons in scriptures that his purpose was clearly defined. They told his father, they told his mother, they knew this your child is going to be a forerunner for the Messiah. He's going to be anointed with the Holy Ghost. He's going to bear witness to him. Praise the Lord. And at a time in John's life, because of circumstances, because of difficulties, because of trials, he sent a message, Luke 7, 19. He was in a place he couldn't understand. And that circumstance should have, could have worked for his good. But right there and then, John began to do something. The Bible said he sent his disciples to Jesus. And what was the question he was asking? He said, well, let's read. He says, are you what? The coming one or do we look for another? Now, what was John's purpose for life? Help me now. What was he? He says he was not that light, John chapter 1. He was not that light, but was sent to do what? To bear witness to the light that through him all men might know. So John's purpose, the reason he took in oxygen, the reason John was healthy, the reason John walked, the reason John could speak was to bear witness, to keep saying what? This is the Christ, this is the Christ, this is the Christ. But at a point in his life, because of trials, and, you know, the difficulties, he was put in prison. John began to question, Jesus, is he the Christ or not? Brethren, that was the last time we heard of John. That will not be your portion in Jesus' name. I say that will not be anybody's portion in Jesus' name. Why am I saying that? 
it is difficult. It's a hard life to try to deviate from God's purpose. Last Sunday, we were talking about the sufferings and the pain in the world. It is simple. The majority of people in the world are not living life the way God said they should live it. You see, crime, criminality, all manner of things that people engage in are only fall out of lives that have deviated from God's plan. Praise the Lord. There are inevitable consequences of lives that have said, I will go my own way. And when that step is taken, then there will be a multiplier effect following the same step. Let me show you something. We, we said, before I was, God knew me. Luke chapter 1, since we're already in Luke. Luke chapter 1 verse 39. Let's go to it, please. From 39, if you can put it as many as you can, I'm, I want to go down to 45. The Bible says, Mary arose, this is Mary the mother of Jesus, in those days and went into the hill country with haste to a city of Judah and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. Mary had heard from the Holy Spirit that she was going to conceive, you know, of the Holy Spirit and bring forth a son who will be the son of God, the savior of the world. And Mary went to visit Elizabeth. Verse 40 says, when she entered the house and greeted Elizabeth, it happened, what? When Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, what? That the babe in Elizabeth's womb leaped. Are you with me? And Elizabeth was filled with what? With the Holy Spirit. Praise God. I want you to picture this scenario. Mary had just heard the word of God. And she responded and said what? Be it unto me what? According to your word. Now we know that as believers, we conceive of the Holy Ghost. So when the word came and she believed it, what happened? Conception took place. So inside of her, maybe there was, I don't know how many weeks I can say the Lord Jesus was in the womb of Mary at that time. Maybe a month. Or maybe three weeks. Or maybe two months. But what we know was that she immediately left and went to visit Elizabeth. Now, this baby possibly could not even be detected by anything. But when she came in and spoke to Elizabeth, who was at that point about five months, you know, or so pregnant for, you know, with John. So John was also in the womb. So we have two babies in wombs. Praise the Lord. Both of them with divine, eternal, you know, plans and purposes. One was the Christ. One was his witness. Their mothers were there. They greeted. The Bible said from womb to womb, there was communication. Long before there was Wi-Fi. Long before there was Bluetooth. Long before there was infrared. There was divine communications. I'm trying to help you see how powerful so that you don't look at someone and say you're five years old. Before these ones, possibly at that time, the bones of Jesus hadn't formed. And we don't know what stage, maybe medical doctors will help us. I don't know how John looked at five months. But at five months, John could tell the mother, the savior, the creator of the world, the king of kings is in your house. Leap for joy. Why? Because that was what he was made for.
I want you to tell somebody here, you have no excuse. Ambassadors, you don't need to get older. The last time you met here, I told you some of you can pay the rent. Praise the Lord. You're not too young to help. You're not too young to solve problems. Let me help us. This world we are living in, you know, is rounding up now. So things are spoiling more and more and more and more. But part of where it's spoiling is that it's spoiling in attitudes and outlooks. When we're growing up, whatever job, apart from those, even those who were, you know, in, in, in academicians, their children will now study. Those were the ones that made A1s and first classes. Those of us that our parents were traders, we were not expected to make first class because part of your education was go and help and buy and sell. But one thing children were known for was that they assisted in whatever their parents did. Are you understanding what I'm saying? The attitude then was not what will my father give me. It was how will I help. I've told us here, I did bus conductor because my father was a transporter. I went to the farm. He wasn't really a farmer, but for pleasure. But he would take us to the farm. My sister reminded me, my mom did cake. We, you know, did something. We caught chinching. There was nothing we did not do to assist these people because why this was who they were and were responsible to add value to them now in that process we were helping ourselves discover purpose because before i leave you i'm going to tell you how god answered jeremiah's question you know jeremiah said i can't speak i'm what too young you remember he said that I'm going to tell you how he answered that question. But what am I trying to say is that nobody is too young. And sometimes it's not just their fault. It's the fault of the older people because we keep looking at them and saying they're too young. But you see, I read somewhere, they said maturity is not a function of age. Maturity is a function of responsibility. Many of us that are here, if you don't have a younger one, you'll be the youngest. Isn't it basic English? If you don't have a younger one, you'll be the youngest. And you know what? The youngest at 10 years will most likely behave as the youngest at six who has four younger ones. Because if you're six and you have four younger ones, they will trouble you. And you have to be the one comforting them. But if you're 10 and you're the youngest, uncles and aunties will be coming to comfort you. Because you're still the youngest. You see, maturity is a function of what you say it's time to do it. I don't know if someone is getting me. So, John the Baptist, in the womb, began his ministry. In the womb. Now, what should you expect? He said, before I formed you, I when was the ordination done? When was the appointment given? So, when did he start? The moment he came to be. The moment he came to be. What are you waiting for, sir? What are we waiting for? Praise the Lord. Don't wait till they start referring to you as elderly. I was with somebody and he was telling me a story. And the person was telling the story. I said, the man was elderly. The man was elderly. Then next thing he said, elderly like pastor. <laughs> Follow me here. Since that day, I've not been the same. I'll look in the mirror and say, ah, elderly man. Amy, 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 Aki. Eh? Small boy like me. And, you know, he did it so innocently. So I knew he was here. He said, you know, very, you know, elderly man, you know. Yes, he's really elderly. He said, like pastor. 
Praise the Lord. You see, and there are some things I'm yet to do. I was waiting to get old enough. But now I say I'm elderly. Praise the Lord. So nobody, please, nobody is too young. Nobody's too young. Nobody is disqualified. If we believe the scriptures, if we believe the word of God, it says before I formed you, I knew you. I didn't wait for you to become 20 years and then ordained you, no. What will happen in the course of time? The Bible, speaking of John the Baptist, thank you, Holy Spirit, said he was in the wilderness until the day of his what? Manifestation. What will happen in time is that there will be what? A manifestation. A coming to public view. But whether you function in that office from day one. I was discussing with somebody recently. I told him that I had a few classmates. One of them, I was sitting with him. There were just two of us. I had this wallet that I think one uncle gave me. Very nice, you know, in secondary school. I kept it on the bed, sat down to remove my sandals, got up, just two of us, the wallet disappeared. I thought he was, you know, just playing tricks with me. Up to today, just two of us, you see, there are people that their criminality started many years ago. One of them, you know, why am I saying that? I look at some of these people. Until they get born again, they graduate in that. Because what they are, they are that from little children. One of them took, you know, you know how everybody has the same textbook in school. And there's a place you write name. So I had my own road name there. This guy took it. We read together. Tore up the page and wrote his name. When we started looking for it, someone said that, but this is that one. Now that's, you talk. The guy swore that this is his own. That's how he came. He did 419. Possibly he has stopped now. You see, what we wait for is manifestation. But the life of what you are called to, don't wait for tomorrow. Because any second you waste, you waste life and you endanger yourself. Safety, protection, peace, joy, fulfillment is found as a man or woman, boy or girl, young or old, lives in proximity to God's purpose for his life. That's what you were born for. That's what you were designed for. That's what heaven is supporting you for. Praise the Lord, somebody. You know, we have this mindset that, you know, leave them, you know, they're young. No, you don't leave them that young. I just heard recently about an app that is in our world now that tells children that at 13 years you should be pregnant or whatever. 14 years you should have this. And, you know, whenever I want to commit suicide, they will help you. How many of us have heard of the app? You know, all kinds of things. Now, the people who are designing that, they understand that they shouldn't wait for them to get old. They shouldn't wait for them. Those who, you know, have seen the movie um, Blood Diamond. When you watch those, you know, movies and you see what happens, the child soldiers that these, you know, uh, mean people engage are more ruthless than the mature soldiers. They are more submitted, you know, they are more loyal, they are more deadly because at that tender age, whatever you put in them, they carry it fully. It's only believers that look at children and call them children. Whereas the pattern we have in the scriptures is that God didn't do any of that. Esther was about 14 to 17 years when she won the beauty contest. 
Everything you see in the Old Testament, you see that they were caught young. But when we come to our time, we pamper, we shield, and because of that pampering and shielding, these children don't have challenges. They don't have things that they want to conquer. And then they now live lives as if, you know, there is nothing to live. And boredom and frustration and all of that comes up. Whereas everyone that God sends into this world was sent with an ordination. Was sent with an ordination. Praise the Lord, somebody. The second thing we pick also from this thing is that Though the team interestingly says, born to be great, you notice that I'm not talking of greatness today. I'm talking of purpose. Because greatness simply means immensity. It means notoriety. It means to do something until you're known. Isn't it? But how good will it be if you finish doing something and you're known and you get to eternity and find out that you did the very thing you were not called to do? Even though you became known in it. Praise the Lord. Is someone with me? No. The message to Jeremiah says, I have a path for you. There's a line I want you to walk. And it's the same thing for all of us. Listen, church. Not all of us are called to be billionaires. Not all of us are called to be known all over the world. No. Some of us are called to be known to one person. I was speaking to a friend recently, and I told him that sometimes I see myself, you know, like those, um, those Chinese Jaffas. You watch those Chinese movies. And the Jaffa is in one village training one small boy. It's that small boy that goes out and fights and becomes champion. Nobody ever knows the Jaffa. He could teach that child until the point that child becomes greater and better than him. And he doesn't mind. Praise the Lord. The trouble we have is that everybody wants to become known. Now, in soccer, has a coach ever scored? If a coach tries to score, what will happen? Disqualification, Abby? I don't know even for his team. The same way, some of us are called to be in the background. Some of us are called as a woman, you're called to just raise two children. And those two children, what you put in them, will take them to the nations of the world. You will not be known. But those children will know. Why? That is purpose. Praise the Lord. But greatness implies that you must be larger. Not effective. Not in line with what you were born for. So a man can be great and come to the end of his life. And there are many like that and are filled with regrets. And for you to be great, you have to listen to people. But for you to fulfill purpose, you have to listen to God. You are always great in line with what people say. There is nobody like him. There is one new one that started now. Go, Tabby. Greatest of all is really good. Because you see, you don't know all time. The whole of time can be 4,000 years. We don't know how long it will be before this time will end. Eternity is endless. If somebody who is a goat in time does not make heaven, the person is to be pitied. Because no one will be in heaven wanting to remember. I don't even want to call anybody's name. I don't know anybody who is in hell. But nobody will be in heaven and say, ah, I miss this guy's song. Who is not in You won't do that. Praise the Lord. So it's born for a purpose. And the pursuit of that purpose is what will determine your fulfillment. Is what will determine what, unquote, will call greatness. But then, even in the scriptures, in Mark 10, please come with me to Mark 10. 
we find the disciples trying to experiment with this greatness thing. The Bible says the sons of Zebedee. Mark 10.35, please. In Mark 10.35, we'll see, we'll see John and his brother, James, the sons of Zebedee. They came to Jesus and they said to him, Teacher, we want you to do for us what? Whatever we ask. And he said to them, what do you want me to do for you? They said to him, grant us that we may see it, one on your right hand and the other on your left, in your glory. What's that called? That's greatness now. They know that you're the bababi. They will want what? On your left and on your right. Zebedee here, Zebedee here. Hallelujah. Amen. And Jesus said to them, you don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink and be baptized with the baptism that I'm baptized with? They said to him, we are able, we are able. So Jesus said to them, you will indeed drink the cup that I drink and with the baptism that I'm baptized, you will be baptized. But the seat on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give, but it's for those for whom it is prepared. And when the ten heard it, they began to be greatly displeased with James and John. Now look at our Lord's response. Jesus called them to himself and said to them, you know that those who are considered rulers over the Gentiles lord it over them and their great ones exercise authority over them. So Jesus is saying here, there is greatness from the view of the world. And who is great in the world? The one who has what? People under him. Isn't it? The one who has authority. That's what Jesus said. He said, the considered rulers over the Gentiles, they lord it over them and the great ones exercise authority. But for the tree, he says to, to us, yet what? Let's read it. Yet it shall not be so among us. But whoever desires to be what? To become great amongst us should be what? Servant. And whoever desires to be fair shall be what? Slave. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but what? To serve and to give his life a ransom. Jesus here is redefining greatness. He's redefining greatness. He's saying greatness is not who is master. Greatness is who is serving the most. Very important. Because God never ordained somebody to be master. You know, there are so many claims. I'm called, I'm an apostle, I'm an this, I'm an that. Well, 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 in a sense you may be right. But the thing that you most likely heard from God was follow me. Jesus, everybody he called, what did he say to them? follow me now let's find out the path that jesus followed how did he go he said the son of man did not come to what to be served but to serve so if jesus really called you then what did he call you to do to serve now that service is what will bring greatness it will become a secondary output not a pursuit and that's where many people miss it so there is nothing you know, inherently wrong with greatness, no. But the pursuit of it and the direction men often go about it is what confuses them. And that's the direction you go and the enemy can offer it to you. But when you follow it the Lord's way by service, it cannot be withheld from you. We take an example of Joseph. When he was found and found himself as a slave, what did he do? He began to what? To serve. Joseph was not accustomed to service. He was the father's favorite. Remember when his brothers was going out to take ship, he was in the house lounging. He had no, no experience in suffering. But when it was thrusted upon him, what did he do? He served. It was that service that kept pushing him up. 
The reason Potiphar promoted him was not because he was his cousin. Was not because he was his uh, in-law. Potiphar promoted him. Why? Because Joseph distinguished himself as what? As a houseboy, as a servant. Praise the Lord. He made him head because it is, when he went to prison, what did he start doing in prison? He began to serve again. And the Bible tells us in prison, Joseph was made what? The head in charge of prisoners. How did he become great in prison? By service. By service. So born to be great, you can translate it toward born to serve. Let us find a competition amongst the ambassadors who will outserve the other. I thought you say amen. Let me clap for you so you can say amen. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Let us also find a competition amongst all believers who will do what? Who will outserve? Because this is what leads. And trying to, you know, just do a, a roundup as quickly as we can. We go back to the conversation with Jeremiah. So he said, our Lord God, verse 6, Jeremiah 1, 6. Behold, I cannot speak for my youth. He had excuses. How many of us have some things in our mind that we sense God wants us to do, but there are some limitations? And one of those limitations is what? Money. Platform. Abby? Different things. Let's see what happens here. Then said I, our Lord, behold, I cannot speak for my youth. So he had his excuses. Raj, I think this is why you chose this text. It says, but the Lord said to me, do not say I'm a youth. Why? You know, God, our God, one of the beautiful things about our God is that even though he's all wise and he's almighty, he doesn't shut us down like some of us do. You know, some parents, you know, teenagers will agree with some parents. When you argue with them, they don't bring reason. They just say, shut up. I said it. Eh? Are your parents like that? You... Give me cane. But daddy, but daddy. He said, I said it, I'm your daddy. Let's thank God. God is not like that. Praise the Lord. Let's put our hands together. God is not like that. When Jeremiah said, I cannot speak, I'm a youth. God is saying, shut up. Do you know who I am? I am God Almighty. Who are you to speak when I speak? Come on. No. It's God that said to us, come, let us reason together. So when we speak to God, he reasons with us. Let us see the reasoning he reasoned with Jeremiah. He said to Jeremiah, he said, Jeremiah, like um, American Precious, Jeremiah, do not say I'm a youth. Praise the Lord. What did he say to him? But you will what? Go to all to whom I send you. Do you need to be an adult to obey? God is saying here, it's not age or maturity that I'm looking for. I'm looking for what? Obedience. It's not initiative. I didn't call you Jeremiah and say develop a strategic program for the advancement of God's kingdom in Israel. Give me the micro and the macroeconomic implications. And give me all the pros and cons. Tell me how it will affect the weather and the... No. He said, I will what? Send you. Our people have a saying that when they send, you know, whatever, non entity to a king, he said he will go and deliver the message. Simple. He said, Jeremiah, 
The call is that I, God, will give you instruction. And what will you do? You will obey. Simple. It says, don't say I'm a youth. It doesn't come up. You will what? Go to all to whom I send you. So if I send you, you'll go. If I don't send you, you don't go. And if I'm going to send you, I will tell you where you're going, Abby. <laughs> Look at the next line. It says, for you shall go to all to whom I send you. And what will you speak when you get there? It says, whatever I command you, what? So what's difficult in that? What's difficult in that? Children, what's difficult in that? Where they send you what? You go. What they ask you to speak what? You speak. Praise the Lord. Then the next question someone will immediately ask is, ah, but if I go to him and I tell him that kind of thing, he will do what? He will beat me. They will arrest me. They will do this to me. Then God says again what? Look at the next verse. Verse 8, please. He said, do not be afraid for what? I will be with you. I'm with you to do what? To deliver you. Is it not becoming easier now? So you can actually obey God. Go to where he's sending you to, Abby. Do what he asks you to do. And when they try to harass you, what did God say? He says, I'm with you. I'm with you to deliver you. I'm with you to deliver you. Church, today in our nation, if we had every one of us here responding like Jeremiah, which we have done at a stage. Ah, these people are too powerful. How many have heard that statement? In this office, ah, you can't try them all. Abby, in this area, ah, you can't say, they will kill you. What did God say? He said, if I ask you to speak, what should you do? Speak. If I ask you to go, what should you do? He says what? If you want to be afraid, he said, do not be afraid. Anything God says in the Bible, do not, it means there's potential to do. God won't say, do not be afraid, if it's a situation. They won't say, Mr. Koku, do not be afraid to eat ice cream. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid, pastor, to eat beans and plantain. Nobody will tell me that. Nobody will tell me that. You know why? It's delight. If I punish me with it, praise the Lord. But when God says, do not be, it means you are. But he's saying, reverse it. Reverse it. Do not be afraid. Why? And he tells you why you should not be afraid. Say for what? I am with you to do what? To deliver you. To deliver you. The next line as we try to round off. Go down. 9 and 10, please. It says, Then the Lord put forth his hand and touched my mouth and said to me, What? Behold, I have put my words in your mouth. What gives us the power to function? The Bible says we have been born again by the incorruptible seed. The word of God in you is power. The word of God in you is life. The word of God in you enables you to do the things of God. It's not complex. He said to Jeremiah, this is what is going to strengthen you. You know, later it was Jeremiah that said, your word have I found and have what? Desired it more than my necessary food. Why? Because it's this word that is what? It's power to me. So what strengthens a teenager in his calling or in her calling is not whether she has um, five million in her account. No. It's that she has the word of God loaded in her. Praise the Lord. This is very simple. You know why? Nothing can be done against the truth. We said, when you shout me down, 
Better shut me down and be sure you're on the path of the truth. Because if not, he said the grass withers and the flowers fade. Okay? But the word of the Lord does what? Abides how? Forever. So if a little child is standing by the word, and you mighty as you think you are, is not standing by the word. You know what will happen? When the story is told and it's over, what will be happening? You will be on the ground, the child will be standing. Why? Because the one who stood by the word will win. What am I saying to us today? As a people in our time, please, I beg us, no matter the pressure, no matter the challenge, no matter the circumstance we find ourselves, let us remember that what strengthens us, what gives us hope, what gives us boldness, what enables our commission is the word of God. No matter what the devil brings against us, no matter what life brings against us. And that was what happened to John the Baptist. At a time in his life, Herod took him, locked him up. We don't know how long. The Bible didn't tell us how long. But he was locked up. Now, this same John had told us, apart from the ministry he bore without reading anything, he had said that the Spirit had told him that the one, that, or rather God had told him that the one he sees the Spirit descending upon as a dove. He said he's the Christ, isn't it? Did he see the Spirit descending on Jesus? What did he do? And he bore witness that what? This is the Christ, the Son of the living God. But what happened? When his circumstances became tight, he started questioning what the Word had said to him. Child of God, any time we question the Word, we expose ourselves. Any time we debate. Jeremiah was told... See, see, I've touched your mouth. Let's go back to Jeremiah. He said, I've, touched, I've put my word in your mouth. You cannot overthrow. You cannot beat down. You cannot suppress anybody standing by the word. You may bury the person like we let a few weeks ago. But that seed, that thing you bury, will not be fruit. It will not be, it will be seed. What will happen? It will germinate and it will grow. You may shove the person aside like the brothers of Joseph shoved him aside. But you will come back to the same person and plead for forgiveness. You may try to kill the person and whatever. But what you only be doing is that you'll be perfecting. Because when a man, a woman, a people align with God's word, you know what? That scripture that says, and we know. And we know. Listen, brethren. If Paul the apostle was not arrested... You know, the scriptures are so interesting. If Paul the Apostle was not arrested and thrown into the Roman jail, when would he have written, the man was so zealous for the kingdom, he would have just been traveling by ship, by ship from one place to the other. By now, we won't have those epistles. But when they arrested him, trying to prevent him from preaching the gospel, he can't, how many people could he have read then? If he traveled for the whole of his life without imprisonment, he would have probably reached about 5,000 people. How many people have his epistles reached today? Let's rise on our feet. Father, we thank you. Father, we thank you. Today, all we are learning is this. I have an ordination. And it's not the pastoral ordination. Every one of us here, before God formed you, he ordained you. I want you to desire from your heart. It says, whatever we ask according to his will, he will do what? He will hear us. Today, ask the Lord, Lord, 
I want to know the purpose for which I was born. I want to know it. I want to know it. I want to design it. I want to locate it. Lord, I want to know. I see now from the scriptures that there is something about me. There is something I'm living for. There is something I was born for. Ambassadors, I want you to ask the Lord. You are old enough to enter into God's purpose. Samuel was not old and as old as many of you. David was not as old as many of you. Lord, today that we celebrate or we have a special Sunday. Lord, I want to know. I want to know. The God that created me, he had something in mind. God said, tell them I am an intentional God. The parents he gave you, or the parents you don't have, the resources you do have, or the resources you do not have, the circumstances you're enjoying, or the circumstances you're suffering from, all of that, God is aware. And he said, I will not allow you to be placed in a situation that will make it impossible for you to fulfill my purpose for your life. That day has not come where some circumstance or situation will hinder God's preordained purpose. Lord, I want to know why I am here. Some of us, God will speak clearly. Some of us, God has already spoken. Some of us will just be encouraged in the path that we are. Why? Because God is interested in you and I fulfilling destiny. There is a destiny for every one of us here. There is a divine destiny. We are not here by accident. There is a divine destiny, sir. The challenges you're facing, the frustrations you're experiencing could either be one or two things. Either you're out of purpose and there's emptiness or you're pursuing purpose and there's resistance. The apostle Paul says, a great and effectual door has been opened for me. But there are many adversaries. Either way, there will be challenges. But when you know that these challenges are trying to stop you from your purpose, then the anointing and the mind of an overcomer will come upon you. And you will be able to understand what the apostle Paul says, where he says, I press forward. You begin to be a presser, not an excuser, not a dodger. There are too many of us dodging. But when you come to understand that you were born for this, you are the hope of God. God is saying, I put my expectation on you that you deliver these people. He said to Samson, for this purpose I created you. Lord, today help me. Help me. Help me. I have no excuse. I'm a big man. I'm comfortable. I'm rich. You don't have excuse. Or maybe you're here and say, I'm just somebody's driver. I'm just somebody's houseboy. I'm just an apprentice. The purposes of God can prosper in you and through you in every of the circumstances. Somebody say, if I had money, I'll fulfill my purpose. Oh no, you don't need to have money. He said, the word of God is what empowers you. The presence of God is what enables you. Today, I want you to desire from your heart. Lord, I want to know the reason for which I was born. Thank you, my Father. Thank you, my God. In the name of Jesus Christ. You've been listening to a message by Pastor Ike Naokeke of the Father's Church. We are sure you've been blessed. We invite you to worship with us at Eden.
Center, Banex Guarimpa Expressway, near Next Kashinkari, Abuja. For telephone, 09-290-9000 or 0703-1588404. You can find us online at www.thefatherschurchonline.org. God bless you.